0: Good morning, it's good to be together this morning and as we enter into this time of attending to God's word, I want to invite you to join with me in a, in a responsive reading based on Psalm 136. You'll see the words on the screen and I will read the white and I'll ask you to join with me uh, to read the yellow words. Let's read this together. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the God of all gods. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the Lord of all lords. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the only one who makes great wonders. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the one who made the skies with skill. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the one who shaped the earth on the water. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the one who made the great lights. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the one who brought Israel out of Egypt. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the one who led his people through the desert. God's faithful love. Lasts forever. God remembered us when we were humiliated. God's faithful love lasts forever. God rescued us from our enemies. God's faithful love lasts forever. God is the one who provides food for all living things. God's faithful love lasts forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. God's faithful love lasts forever. Let's pray together. God, we are Thankful. We're thankful for the many ways you've blessed us. We're thankful, especially this morning, that you've gathered us together with one another from, from the midst of lives that are filled with, with busyness and stress, with joys and sorrows, with, with triumphs and, and disappointments. And, and God, we thank you that, that you've invited us to be a part of your people, to be a part of a community that is on this journey of life and, and the journey of faith together. And it's our prayer this morning that as we listen to your word and we, in, in, we invite you into our hearts, that your spirit would be at work within us to shape and mold and form us more into the likeness of Jesus. God, we pray that we would be the people you've called us to be, you've created us to be, the people you, you long in the depths of your heart for us to be. And we pray that our time together this morning would be a part of helping us become those people. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. One of my favorite times of the day, almost every day, comes sometime between 5.30 and 6.30 in the evening. It's the time when Mindy and Carson and Charlie and I gather around the table to eat dinner. Now, there are many, many things I like about this time, I like listening to Carson tell stories about what happened that day in Mrs. Bower's first grade classroom. I like hearing Charlie talk about the adventures he had at home, or pretend school, as he likes to call it. I like asking Carson to tell me the joke that Mindy put in his lunchbox for him to read in the cafeteria that day, like, who's the king of the school supplies, the ruler, I enjoy getting to hear about charlie 's and mindy 's adventures of going to the park, going to the library, delivering meals on wheels, and, and the friends that they share those experiences with. I also love to to be able to share with them a little bit about my day, about the work that I do here and, and about the, the projects that i 'm dreaming about and, and planning for, about the people that i 'm getting to know about the the excitement and anticipation that fills my heart because of what I'm convinced God wants to do and will do in and among and through this congregation, I love those nights around the table. But what I love most is when we sit down to pray. Now, I'm not going to get all, you know high and mighty spiritual on you here. I love when we sit down to pray mostly because Charlie, our three-year-old, is in a phase where he wants to say the prayer nearly every night. And when Charlie prays, there's something about it that is so different from the prayers that I pray or that Mindy prays or that Carson prays. When Charlie prays, Perhaps like many other three-year-olds, he prays with his eyes wide open. He prays looking around the room, taking it all in. And his prayers, they often go something like this. He looks out the window at the backyard. Thank you, God, for the trees. Thank you, God, for the grass. Thank you, God, for the patio. And, And then he looks at the table that's been set. Thank you, God for the plates. Thank you God for the napkins. Thank you God for the forks. Thank you God for the table. Thank you God for the tablecloth. Now, by this point, I'm really hungry. And you know, I'm kind of like, okay, let's let's wrap this up. But Charlie, there's still more for him to see, which means there's more to pray about. Thank you God for the pork chops. Thank you, God, for the cheese. Thank you, God, for the milk. If you know Charlie, as some of you do, it's not ever really a surprise at our house when thank you, God, for Paw Patrol gets thrown in there. If you don't know Paw Patrol, if you're around a little kid at Thanksgiving, ask them. They'll be more than happy to tell you about Marshall and Rubble and Chase and Rocky and all the other pups some point during the prayer, Charlie usually says, thank you, God, for Carson. Thank you, God, for Mama. Thank you, God, for Daddy. Thank you, God, for our family. And at some point, one of the other three of us kind of starts to hint, okay, Charlie, how do you wrap up a prayer? Do you remember how to end a prayer? In Jesus' name, amen. What I love about these moments of being able to watch and listen to Charlie pray is that there's this seemingly endless flow of gratitude bursting out of his heart. Like everything he sees, everything he experiences, he, he's thankful. And, and it's something that I, I find often in little children. They, they have this sense, this awareness that everything is a gift, what they have, what they enjoy, they, they, they don't begin to think that they've earned it or they deserve it. They, they wouldn't be able to express it this way, but they have this instinctive sense that all is grace. For many of us, though, somewhere along the way, something happens. Something begins to change. The awareness, the recognition, the knowledge we have that, that everything is a gift suddenly begins to fade, it, it becomes easy to think that what we have, what we enjoy, we, we have it because we've earned it. We have it because we deserve it. it it's a product of our hard work. It's a result of our focus. And, and it's a reward for our dedication and our determination. It becomes so easy for us to, to convince ourselves, as one of my mentors used to say, that we hit a home run when we were actually born on third base. And this is precisely why I need a little child like Charlie to lead me down a path I would struggle to go down on my own. And, and maybe you're right there with me. It's, it's why Charlie's prayers have become such a meaningful part of my life. It's why the gratitude of children is such a great example to us. Their gratitude reminds us of our tendency to take things for granted, especially the little things, the simple things, the plates and the napkins, the tablecloth. Not only that, but the gratitude of little children serves as a warning to us not to let our hearts become self-congratulatory, not to let our minds believe we're self-sufficient. Instead, the grateful spirit that we see so often in children calls us to an awareness that everything is a gift, that all is grace. I can't help wondering... How different our lives would be if you and I could recapture this sense that everything is a gift, that all is grace. What effect would it have on the anxiety that drives us each and every day to do more, to be more, to accomplish more? What effect would it have on the relationships that become difficult and complicated and even fall apart because we're so quick to take credit or so eager to assign blame? What what effect would it have on the lust and greed that can so easily overtake our hearts and minds, convincing us that all that we have is still not enough? What effect would it have on the critical spirit that takes up residence in our souls, leading us to find fault rather than delighting in goodness and beauty, even among things and people and situations that are imperfect. On a week like this, where we celebrate Thanksgiving, I, I can't think of a better time to try to recapture the sense that everything is a gift, that, that all is grace. Imagine if this week you and I made an intentional effort to say a simple prayer of thanksgiving for everything we see, for every moment we experience, for every person we're around. Now, this may seem like such a basic idea, like common sense, that it, that it feels silly to spend so much time talking about it. But, but when I start to think that, I remember how many, many times through Scripture, God's people need to be reminded to give thanks. Like the dozens of times in the Psalms, like, like the Psalm we read together just a little while ago, that are, that are calls to remember how important it is to give thanks, The truth is we can't begin to be faithful To our calling as God's people Unless we intentionally cultivate The kind of gratitude in our hearts That overflows in the regular practice Of giving thanks We can't begin To be faithful to our calling as God's people Unless we intentionally cultivate The kind of gratitude in our hearts That overflows in the regular practice Of giving thanks You know something tells me that that if we could drop the pretense of being too grown up, if we could somehow get rid of the self-consciousness that keeps us from being grateful like a child, we would be amazed at the ways the simple practice of gratitude transforms our hearts. We'd be amazed. And yet it's important... As, as giving thanks is, and, and it is important for God's people, God, God always calls us one step further. From the earliest days, God has desired for us to put our gratitude into action. God wants us to express our thanksgiving, not just with our words, but with our hands and our feet and our lives as well. You may recall the story of, of God calling Abraham in Genesis 12. The story is is short. The the author of Genesis didn't give us a lot of details. And so every time I I read this story, my imagination starts firing, imagining what it must have been like. And and, and when that happens, this is kind of what I imagine it went like. Abraham, is God here? You've been elected. What? When was the election? Because I certainly didn't know about it. Well, Abraham, um, I'll admit, it wasn't exactly well publicized. Okay, okay, but how many people voted? Just one. One? Was it my nephew, Lot? I mean, I can totally imagine that he thought that my vote would cancel his vote out, and he didn't want that to happen. He wanted his way, so he went to the polls and left me home alone. No, Abraham, stop. It wasn't Lot. It was me. You. Why are you voting? And more importantly, what in the world would compel you to vote for me? The why is not all that important, Abraham. Don't you want to know what you got elected to do? Oh, yeah. That's probably pretty important. Let me guess. Chamber of Commerce president? Chairman of the school board? Oh, no, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. You want me to be your treasurer? I'd love that. No, Abraham. Let me just tell you what you've been elected to do. Leave your land, your family, your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, those who who curse you i will curse all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you now again my imagination starts racing wondering what abraham's reaction is to all of this and and first i've got to imagine that he's back to the why question why in the world out of all the people in the world why me why me but God's not forthcoming with a rationale or an explanation, justification. It simply is what it is. And so Abraham moves from the why question to the how question. How in the world am I supposed to respond to this? I mean, it's an important decision he's got to make, a, a crucial choice. And, and so, so he starts by thinking, okay, God wants to bless me. That, that sounds pretty good. Make of me a a great family, a great nation, lots of descendants. That sounds nice. That's pretty good news. Of course, I got to leave a lot. I leave my home, I leave my, my family, my neighbors, my friends, my country. That doesn't sound so good. I mean, it it does sound nice to to think about all people of the earth being blessed through me, but it also sounds like it could be pretty hard work, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it'd just be better to stay here and keep on keeping on. So many thoughts swirling through Abraham's mind. But at some point, he seems to get what what so many before him and and so many after him fail to get. And it's this, that, that God's greatest hope is not merely that we'll respond to his blessings by giving thanks, although that's an important and appropriate step. You see, God's, God, God wants more than just thoughts of gratitude or words of thanksgiving or tagging social media posts with the hashtag blessed. Like, God, God wants something more God longs for us to be people whose practice of giving thanks is always followed by an intentional choice to be a blessing. Put it another way. You and I are meant to be more than selfless, selfish beneficiaries of God's blessing. We are meant to be selfless sharers of God's blessings. You and I are meant to be more than selfish beneficiaries of God's blessing. We are meant to be selfless sharers of God's blessings. And somehow, against all odds, this this truth it, it clicks with Abraham. It, it clicks, and, and, and so he does something that defies conventional wisdom. He he thumbs his nose at common sense. He, he abandons any desire he ever had for respectability, and he packs up his stuff, and he follows the call of God. Can you imagine? Not knowing where he's going to go, not knowing how long it's going to take, not knowing what it's going to be like, he packs up and he goes. He risks everything on the call of God, because at some deep level, he's convinced that Far more important than his personal comfort is god 's mission of blessing all the families of the earth that 's more important it doesn 't pay immediate dividends but, but before long, along comes a son named Isaac and then after a while, Isaac has a son named Jacob, and later on Jacob has a son named Joseph and you get a few generations down the road, and it becomes very clear. God is fulfilling the promise. God is blessing Abraham, blessing him with descendants more numerous than he could have ever imagined. God's blessing them with, with, with more blessings than they could have ever asked for. And along the way, they, they do their best to live up to this calling, to, to put their, their practice of giving thanks into the practice of being a blessing but it's a struggle and it's always a struggle you know some days it's one step forward two steps back other days it's three steps forward one step back but but it's a struggle you know they keep at it they keep trying but it's a struggle but eventually from this long line of descendants emerges a child a child who will lead god's people and this child, he leads God's people not just in giving thanks for all the blessings of life. He, he leads God's people by making the conscious choice to be a blessing, to, to lay down his life for the sake of the world. And, and he shows us with his actions that, that what God desires most of all is, is not really a, a bunch of Spoiled children whose, whose basic way of expressing gratitude is kind of to brag about how much they've been blessed. What, what God desires most is, is selfless children who express their gratitude by sharing God's blessings with all the families of the world. Who, who help in God's mission of creating a worldwide family. A family in which everyone is included a family from which no one is excluded a family which does God's will on earth as it is in heaven that's what Jesus shows us now i don't know exactly what it will look like for for you to to put your thanksgiving into practice so that you can be a blessing i mean for all of us at some level, it, it starts with the kind of giving we've talked about the last two Sundays, but but I think it goes beyond that. You know, maybe for you, it, it's going to take the form of sharing that house you're so thankful for with somebody who's in need of a place to stay in a time of transition. Maybe for you, it, it takes the form of of sharing that car you're so thankful for and and giving a ride to someone who has no way to get around. Maybe for you, you know, the the best way to put this into practice right away is on Thursday. You know, when that person shows up that drives everybody crazy and you extend the warm welcome to them that you're so thankful everybody else has extended to you. Maybe that's what it looks like for you to put this practice of thanksgiving into being a blessing. I don't know what it will look like for you, but I I do know this. We are called not only to give thanks, but to be a blessing. Give thanks. Be a blessing. Give thanks. Be a blessing. And what what if this were the defining rhythm of our lives. We give thanks and then turn around and be a blessing. So this Thanksgiving, may, may we give thanks for everything that God has blessed us with, no matter how big or how small, but, but may we also May we also demonstrate our gratitude by being selfless sharers of God's blessings so that that all the families of the earth might be blessed because of us. Give thanks. Be a blessing. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing together. And as we do, our shepherds along with their wives are going to be scattered around the room available to, to pray with you and visit with you. And And I want to go ahead and ask them to stand up if they will so you can see where they are. If you're struggling this morning because you're finding it hard to be a person who who gives thanks or you're finding it hard to to turn that thanksgiving into the practice of being a blessing, I really want to encourage you to find one of these folks and and ask them to, to pray with you and encourage you. But whatever you're feeling this morning, whatever you're experiencing, my hope is that if if you need someone to pray with, you will find one of these kind and loving shepherds and give them the opportunity to pray for you because they want to. They want to be with you through the ups and the downs, uh, the struggles and the triumphs. And so find them now as together we stand and sing.